Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Genius Leader, this is a bit of a longer episode, so I'll be very brief with my introduction here. Today, I talked to Tim Pereira, who is the mental health mentor running a wellness community for men, uh, and that uh, community is called Parawellness. Uh, I will drop, as always, a link to his uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes so you can connect with him if he um, his journey and his style resonates with you. I'll be more than happy if you find a person who can support you and a community uh, that can uh, be your um, help uh, on your mental health uh, journey. So Tim shares his story of being this kind of 10 out of 10 guy or super successful from all the external metrics, but uh, struggling within and his journey of going down the spiral, getting to the darkness and uh, hitting the rock bottom and starting climbing or diving up again. Uh, he shares his experiences with asking for help and how not always is uh, successful. We talk about how, how difficult it was and, and then how the first attempt of his has failed uh, in his eyes and what he has learned from that. Uh, we also talk about uh, all the self-help um, resources like podcasts and books and how it is quite often not about the content there, but about the timing of it. Um, and uh, we're sharing our experiences uh, with um, getting help from uh, resources like that. And we discuss this need of moving or changing something in our life. Uh, so changing those external circumstances in the hope of getting the sense of fulfillment and happiness and joy. And uh, what uh, Tim's finding was with those attempts and uh, what he has taken from that and, and um, how he is helping the men in his community uh, nowadays. We also, of course, talk about vulnerability. And a big moment for Tim was when he learned to talk to himself like a best friend of his. Instead of always leaning in on to and also listening to the this inner critic that is omnipresent in all of us, uh, how he learned to go from that to a more compassionate version of a conversation within himself and this inner dialogue. So I hope you'll take some uh, information from his journey and from his tips and his experiences and implement it for yourself. Start practicing it today because. It's harder to learn those things when you are at your lowest point. So I do hope that you take the learning and really um, take it seriously today and uh, uh, try. So enjoy and see you on the other side. Tim, good morning to you and warmest welcome to the show. Good evening to you and thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my baby's uh, already asleep, so that's a calm time and uh, the day is soon over, but for you it's the other way. It's always yeah, cool just... to see those differences and be able to converse <laughs> real time. Yeah, just getting started. I heard some kids playing outside right before this, so you know the world is in balance. <laughs> in different ways, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So, Tim, we both are very passionate about the topic of mental health of mm-hmm. uh, male leaders or male, men in general. And um, before we get into the topic uh, that we dis- wanted to discuss, and I actually want to start with asking why that passion for you? I, you know, in, in shortest way possible, I went through years of my own mental health challenges. And I... So four years in particular, the better part of four years. And the challenge was for me is I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to get support or ask for help. And and also I was somebody who had everything together on paper. You know, I had a good job. I had been promoted. I was making good money. I was living in downtown New York City. I was leading a team. I was, you know, fit. I looked like I was in shape. I wasn't, you know abusing drugs or, you know, all these things that people may associate with, with somebody who may not have their shit together. Mm-hmm. And so I say that because on the outside, everything looked, you know, 10 out of 10, everything looked great. Like there's no way that that guy would be going through what he's going through. Yeah. Everybody has their challenges and struggles. So, and then, so the fact that I did go through that and then I was, I didn't know how to tell anybody. So I didn't, you know, I was embarrassed of not of feeling like how I did, I was like, man, I I should be fine. This must be only a me issue. I didn't want friends and family to worry about it. Um, And then, like I was saying, I I certainly didn't know what to do. And so, you know, for me, fast forward a few years of uh, working with that, I got let go of my job from my job in the beginning of COVID, which ultimately was kind of my rock bottom. And then from there, uh, you know, I, I heard some things that really resonated with me in terms of you know, my mind essentially being the thing that is creating my world. And, and it really opened my eyes to a, a different path forward and me just understanding like, holy crap, I am feeling the way I'm feeling because of how I view my life and how I, my perspective and my beliefs and my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that was fascinating to me. And, you know, I had been obsessed with things like nutrition and sleep and exercise and supplements and all these things to make me perform my best. And I had overlooked creating and crafting the type of thoughts and beliefs and perspective that I want. So I got really into that. I turned the corner with depression, started my own company. I started chatting with other guys and I just realized so many other guys are feeling the same way. And I just saw an opportunity to help guys avoid what I felt and what I went through, you know, as, as best as possible. Oh, so many things for the threads that I want to pull from this conversation. So or from your introduction, um, I, I see so many uh, men, just like you described, 10 out of 10 from outside, uh, all those metrics of success and, and being happy with those external metrics. They hit the, 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 all of those, you know, they tick all those boxes. And that's, that's what clients come to me with. They say like, yeah, I have all this stuff. I, from outside, I have my shit together, but within I'm miserable, I'm void, I'm numb. Uh, and those kind of things. And uh, you said that you didn't know how to ask for help. So mm-hmm. you, how, how was that feeling? Did you feel like you wanted to ask for help or did not that not even cross your mind that there is, this is something that can be helped and mm-hmm. you could actually ask for help? So how was that? Can you specify a bit more? Yeah. So there was definitely a progression, I would say of kind of the feelings building and when I got there. So in the beginning, not, not really, I didn't, you know, but I've been an athlete my whole life. I played sports through college. I, you know, train a lot. I, again, you know, the things I've been really into in terms of 
like what I would consider like personal peak performance and feeling my best, et cetera. And so, and I'm very competitive and I'm kind of a lone wolf and, and all these things. So my inclination was to, I can figure this out on my own, you know, like give me the books, give me the podcast, give me what, you know, whatever I need, like give me time, uh, you know, give me the whiskey, whatever I was doing at the time. I was like, I'll figure this out. And I didn't, you know, really. And so around the two year mark of the, of that four year span, I did actually build up the courage to ask for help. And it was terrifying. I, I drove, I scheduled an appointment. I drove to an office about 20 miles away from where I was living. I didn't want anybody to see me. Hat on the sunglasses, the hood and, and, and the, the, yeah, the hooded sweatshirt. I was, I was literally like shaking going in there. Just so. And, and in there, there was what therapy or whom did you see? Whom did it was you a psychiatrist. Yeah. I, I went in because I was like, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I need meds. I just need to chat. I just need a, someone to sit in front of me and be like, oh, I work with people that say this to me. Here's a solution. Mm-hmm. And so what was scary to me was my experience was I sat down in front of her and I'm explaining everything I'm feeling and going wrong and I'm not motivated. I'm not working out in the morning anymore. I'm drinking a little bit more on the weekends. I'm just like kind of down. I'm sad. I, I mean, just these things of like, I'm not, this is so not me and and it's so foreign. And I, I don't know how to deal. I went as a guy that like had never cried in 10 years and wear that as a badge of honor to, there was a period during these four years where like, I would cry myself to sleep every night, just out of frustration and not knowing what to do. So that's really why I went in. And so sitting across from her and the first things out of her mouth was, you know, we can write you a prescription for something today. And I was just, you know, again, I, I, I'm thankful I had my background in, in athletics and working hard and, you know, focusing on fundamentals and doing all the things and not taking shortcuts. And as an 18 year old, I took pro hormones, basically a, a minor league version of steroids. And I had already been burned by, you know, pills and something that I was, you know, that I thought was going to be a shortcut. And so I had this apprehension to doing that already. And, and I walked out of there and I, it took me another few years before I got help again. I was like, screw this. It was just confirming to me. I was like, you got to do it on your own. You're going to have to figure it out because the system's rigged. You can't tell your friends and family, you know, everybody wants you to have your stuff together. I don't, you know, I didn't want to tell my mom living thousands of miles away and just have her, I just imagined her like staying up at night, worried, sick about me. So that's, those were just kind of some of the thoughts that were consuming my mind at the time. Well, so what was happening with those several years between those that first attempt of, of asking for help and the next one. And you, you mentioned a bit like, I'll figure it out on my own podcast, yeah. give me the books and so on. So just to clarify, was there any help with those resources? Cause now we're recording a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is this all in vain or, uh, like, were there any nuggets there that actually maybe opened up anything or it helped? took me, it wasn't really until around the four year mark that things really, something re- really resonated with me. And you know how like book, even when people recommend books, the thing about books, the magic ingredient that we, you know, we don't realize when we're telling somebody books amazing is like if the timing in which it finds you, you know, like, oh my gosh, like when you just rip through a book and you're reading so quick, it's like a lot of the times it's because that is exactly what you need at that point in your life, you know? And so I, I wish I could say I was an avid reader during this time, like I am now, but I wasn't, but you know, during those four years, what I did, I was work, I was trying to figure it out, but I was looking at things outside of me, like changing external circumstance. I had moved across country in the U S three times. 
I moved in general four times in four years. I've moved a lot, like over 15 times in the last 10 years. And I'm, I'm done with it. That that's behind me, but I changed jobs. You know, I, I was looking for like nicer apartments. I was getting, you know, I went and got a different car. I just, point is I was looking at all of these things to get me back to, you know, this elevated boosted mood, then what would happen is depending on the thing, I, you know, let's say it was a job six months in the shiny, the shininess of a new job, the lure, the excitement would wear up. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm back to how I was feeling. And so what happened is I never thought, Oh, maybe it's because of me. I always, I was like, fuck, I picked the wrong job. You know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe if I move to Denver this time, or if I move back to San Francisco or whatever, like, I think that's really what I need. And I would always make such a strong pace and argument to convince myself that that was the reason, you know? Oh yeah. If you go here, okay, well, you got these three friends and then this, and then this company's great. This company's different because it's this. And even though it's the same role and it's like, yeah, okay. Those things can have a little bit of an impact. Of course, if you're working in a toxic work environment, that can have a huge impact on you, but I wasn't really. and. So during those four years, it was a lot of trying to change things outside of me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until when I got let go of my job and I heard some things that made me realize, oh crap, I, I actually need to fix what's going on inside in my relationship with myself, my relationship to life in order to feel the way that I know I'm capable of feeling. So like so many points resonate with what we do with my clients and I, in one of the recent episodes, talked about this, that when we uh, try to fix those external things, it's like uh, trying to fill the aluminum can, by, which is sealed, closed, by throwing stones at it. They make noise, but it doesn't fill the can. Yeah. And that's the process you were going through. Yeah. And, and also what you said about moving places, I just remember it was a very powerful moment for me when a friend of mine, we discussed that she was miserable in her job and her husband suggested her to move back to the previous place where they worked. And she said to him, but you'll take me with you. So that was really a powerful moment for me to, to realize like she, she understands that the problem mm. is within and she's trying to find a solution for within instead of running to the next, like, you know, buying some time yeah. until this shininess wears out. So how was that process for you when you realized that something within needs to change? I think, I mean, that was really the turning point. I think that is a monumental step for people. If they can at least acknowledge that, you know, they have the agency over their life and their well-being, it doesn't mean you have the answers and it definitely doesn't mean it's easy, right? It's, it's the most complex puzzle that you'll work to solve. And it's, it's a never ending puzzle, right? It's, you don't just solve it and then for the rest of your life, you're good. It's like, no, you just kind of figure out what you need, the signs, you know, to look out for if you start getting off track and how to cultivate the feelings and thoughts and, and, and the things that keep you on the track you want to be on. So for me, it was hearing that idea. It was like a spin. I think it was one of Einstein's quotes, maybe I'm, I'm probably misquoting it, but it was the idea that hey, everything in our life that happens to us outside events, circumstance, whatever is objectively, it's neutral. There's no meaning. All meaning, good or bad, comes from within our own mind. And I got it. It all clicked. I, in a way, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, I, I use the example all the time. If you're driving and a driver cuts you off, in California especially, just terrible drivers. Everybody's very selfish, just so like agitated on the road. And so if somebody cuts you off, you know, I've reacted for years to just get, you know, you get pissed off, you, you know, flip somebody off, you're yelling at them out the car window, you get road rage, as opposed to, 
you know, if somebody cuts you off again, you, you don't react, right? The same event, but you are just how, basically how you internalize that event. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you just see, okay, a car just moved in front of another car, it's not really a big deal. I'm making it a big deal because I think maybe he did it on purpose. Ooh, he almost like, I almost like crashed into him. Oh, he's slowing me down. Oh, he's so rude. How did they not see me? And we take it personally. And so there's so many examples like that, but that was the one thing that came to mind. And I was like, okay, that was like my first box to check. I was like, well, I'm, I'm not getting mad when somebody cuts me off regardless. I was like, that's my first like thing I'm going to work on. So anyway, so understanding. And then I realized I was like, oh my gosh, all of these moves, all these previous years, all of this, this like depressive state I was in, I was the constant. I was trying to change all these things, but I was always there. And so it, it, it gave me a path forward where I was like, okay, I need to do a reset. I need to scrape the foundation clean. I need to try and build a new. And again, I didn't know where to start, but I just, I was just picking up, like I would type in like mindset books on Google. There was a few guys, a few podcasts I was listening to that really just started to, to change how I thought and ultimately start to change the narrative, you know, by which I was, I was really living. I actually want to pause in this moment when you realized that the only constant in all those circumstances was you. What were the feelings? Was it a relief or was it like, fuck, is it really me? And, you know, anger or annoyance with yourself. What was going on like on an emotional level through you then? To be honest, it was relief for me because I had been through, I was sick of feeling how I was feeling. I was sick of it. I was fed up. I just, I did not want to keep living life that way anymore. And, and again, hearing something like when you're ready to hear it or at the right time and, you know, whether you think, you know, it's synchronicity or, you know, things happen for a reason, whatever. But just hearing that when I heard it, I mean, literally couldn't have been better better timing for me. And so I was like, yeah, of course, you know? And I was like, well, got a lot of work to do because I don't even know where to start. But, um, and I know this mind's pretty stubborn and, you know, wants to stay in its ways, but yeah. So for me, definitely, um, was free. It was really encouraging. I think it like gave me hope again. I had been trying so many things and I was like, there's gotta be something I'm not looking at. So hearing that was just like, oh, it's like a door was open that I hadn't even, I hadn't even knocked on yet. Awesome. So getting to the topic <laughs> that we actually wanted to discuss, but I think it's, it's a very important background or context to, to understand uh, for, for what we, we want to discuss. And, and that is this self-talk, right? Or talking mm. to yourself in particular ways. But I think it's very important to understand why you, you're using that and why you're recommending that. And talk about your own experience with that inner friend. So you have discussed it a couple of times recently with entrepreneurs and leaders that that notion or tool or technique mm -hmm. of, of talking to yourself mm -hmm. as a good friend. Can you tell us about how did you figure that out? How do you practice it? And, and what do you see as results of that? Yeah. So I, one of the things, so when I, I started working with guys and I started writing more, you know, online or trying to do some kind of content or cohort coaching, I, the thing I knew I was up against was the stigma around men, like emotional health, mental health, getting any kind of help, you know, and I, I know it well because I went through it for years. And so one thing I always try and think of is what can I, possibly say or do now, what would have resonated with me, let's say five years ago, that was it. 
my lowest. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things that wouldn't, and there's a lot of things that didn't. And I'm like, I, the thing that keeps coming back to me is the idea that like, if I had somebody that I respected in a similar position that was going, you know, that, that had looked similar to me on paper, I would say, but, but also shared similar experiences that that would have at least made me feel like seen and okay. And, you know, accepted. And so one of the things I think of is I was like, huh, what if my best friend, you know, who's like similar to me on paper, you would say, I'm like, what if my best friend was going through something? I'm like, what I was like, well, I never told him. Okay. It took me four and a half years before I told him anything. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, of course I would want him to tell me like no brainer. Absolutely. Like he's my best friend. I'll, I'll, you know, fly across the country, you know, same day if he, if he needs something. And I think when, but when it's something that we're dealing with on the inside, we, we don't have that perspective. We don't think of, you know, just changing the perspective a little bit to be like, what would I, what would I say to my best friend in this situation? So, so to your point, one of the things I like, I mean, especially men who I work with is, you know, we're, we're up against the stigma, tend to be pretty hard critics on ourselves. You know, we're tough on ourselves. We want to be able to figure it out. We, you know, oftentimes are competitive. Like we are used to being the provider, the strong one. And so whether we're telling a friend or we're telling a spouse or reaching out for professional help, which may be even, you know, the toughest of all three is we don't want to, I mean, it really comes down to vulnerability, but we don't want to act like we don't have our stuff together. And there's a strong inner critic you know, that, that we have. And ultimately it can become very lonely trying to figure these things out. So what I encourage guys to do is, okay, if you're not going to share externally, if you're not there yet, then pause for a second and see if you can take control and start treating yourself like you would treat your best friend. Literally have a dialogue with yourself. It sounds kind of weird at first, but I talk to myself all the time, but you know, okay, if you're feeling down, if you don't know what to do, if you're, you know, putting so much pressure on yourself to figure something out or, you know, have purpose or make more money or be a provider, just pause for a sec and put yourself in, you know, the shoes of your, of your best friend and just take the role be like, okay, if, or if they were in my shoes, what would I say to them? You know, you're probably going to be a lot more level-headed and be like, man, you're doing a great job. What are you talking about? Like you're being way too hard on yourself. You know, I understand like there's a lot of things here. Like, yeah, it's very, you know, stressful. I'm going through that too. You know, you'd relate to them. You'd show them first and foremost, love and compassion that they're, you know, that you're understanding them. You're there for them support. And you can just stop there. And just to have somebody in your corner, that's like, dude, I got you, you know? And, and then there's going to be times, of course, when you're, you know, maybe you're slacking a little bit and your friend comes in and gives you tough love when you need it, you know, but I've just found that having guys pause for a second and take the perspective of as if they're speaking to their own best friend. Cause ultimately at the end of the day, like the most important relationship you're ever going to have in your life is with yourself. So you may become, you like, you may as well become buddies with that guy. And I just think it's, it changes the energy level in which you're interacting with yourself. It can help you diffuse the situation, gain a little bit of perspective. And ultimately, which is really most important is give yourself again, that love and compassion, you know, that you need when you're not feeling your best. So if we 
compare those two experiences of yours when you started talking to yourself as as, as you would be your best fr- friend in that situation versus once you've shared with your best friend. How were those experiences? Are they comparable? Whether they were very different on your perception on the emotional level again and how they helped? In terms of speak, so sharing with my best friend, like what I was going through, I think yeah. one of the things I've really learned in the last two and a half years or so since I, I really turned the corner was when you can authentically become vulnerable and you express vulnerability. Vulnerability then no longer has the power over you. You're no longer vulnerable to the thing that you've let out there. And that is an idea that only came once I exercised it. And what I mean by that is for years, I didn't show any cracks in the armor. You know, like I said, I didn't, I don't think I shed a tear for anything for 10 years or so. And, you know, I was for whatever reason, you know, having not, not wanting to, not knowing how to process those emotions for sure, not wanting to show any kind of weakness for sure. There's a, there was a bunch of things that played into it. And I think a few things happened when I did. For one, obviously there was, you know, just immediate, you know, the guy just, just like thank me for sharing. And just like, mm-hmm. I think what we fail to recognize is our friends and family, our loved ones want to be there for us. Part of a relationship of any kind is, a crucial part of it is being able to give to someone. And when we don't open up and when we lock down and we don't share with people that are close to us that are really supposed to have those relationships with us, like we are robbing them of the opportunity to gain that in this relationship. And I realized that once I started talking to my friends and they just felt so much more connected they, I could sense like they were wanting to reach out for, so like they felt like they were contributing to a friend who has been there for them for years. And finally, you know, they're able to kind of step up and, you know, be their back. Doesn't mean they've provided advice or anything, but just to have somebody you can actually talk to. And then of course, then the impact of vocalizing negative feelings helps diffuse those feelings anyway. And so just sharing, you know, a little bit kind of what you're going through or feeling takes the sting out of those, you know, maybe not a hundred percent of the sting, but it takes a, a big chunk of it out. And so that's what I, that's kind of what I felt in, in the feeling afterward was I was like, man, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you do this earlier? You know, like you made it such a big deal and it's not a big deal at all. I thought it was a 10 out of 10 deal. And I'm like, it's a 1.5 out of 10. Like it's really not a big deal to have, you know, be able to talk to this, to this guy. And yeah. so, when you when you shared with yourself, when you talked to yourself as a friend, did you get that insight as well that, hey, this is actually not as much of a deal than how I felt before I started vocalizing it to myself or somehow putting it into more complete thoughts or words? Yeah, I think what was gained was for sure that was a result. Um, I think through just like, you know, de-escalating the situation, gaining a little bit of perspective and again, showing up to it with compassion and love for self and not just this like judgment and pressure and fear of like, Oh, what if, what if this happens in this? It's like, hey, let's just take a breath. You know, let's look at it in perspective to the course of your whole life. Like what you're feeling is completely normal. You know, all the, the different emotions and feelings are, they're just part of the human experience. And so it's all right. Like take a deep mm-hmm. breath. It doesn't have to, you know, completely ruin your day. Like we can get through this. And so I think that was 
big to be able to say, okay, so what would I, what advice would I give? Oh yeah, you're right. Like that's a much more level-headed approach than just like stewing in this inner critic and stewing in these negative thoughts, which just perpetuates into like a long-term mood and ultimately can, can shift and change, you know, your personality if, if not, or if left unchecked for a long period of time. I'm listening to you. I'm thinking, imagine a couple of my my clients early on or people in, in my network who are not my clients and imagining them listening to you and saying like, yeah, right. It will work for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Like they, they can't imagine being this gentle, uh, caring, loving friend for, to themselves. Yeah. Uh, did you have uh, like that kind of resistance or those reactions? And if yes, what would you recommend to these people to, to shift that, to try and maybe like hack that system? For sure. I mean, I would, I would just say, how would you react if a friend came to you and said something? Mm-hmm. Would you tell them to piss off and to suck it up? Maybe. There's definitely some people that would say that. Okay. You're going to have a mm-hmm. tough time dealing with these until you can get over that. Mm-hmm. You know? And, but I think, you know, if, if we're chatting with somebody, they're probably at a state where they're unhappy with how they've been feeling. They're open to new ideas. They've maybe probably have tried some things for their own development and growth. And so the idea of compassion and patience and love hopefully isn't a brand new idea, but I, that's why I like framing it that way. Okay. Mm. Not your best friend. And what about your child? What would you say to your child? If they came to you with this, if they said they were feeling down, they can't, you know, they're unmotivated, whatever they're dealing with, like mm. what's your first reaction going to be? Dude, you'd be say, I love you. Give you a big old hug. And so, and if you can't find love and compassion for your child, I don't, you know, I don't know. Then that might be a, <laughs> longer conversation. We may have to, we have to get some physical slapping involved. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> not toward the child, let's be precise. No, no, not the child, <laughs> the, the adult. That's good. That's good call out. Yeah, I, 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 always, I always talk about this inner critic and what you're talking about is part of that growing that inner cheerleading team. Mm-hmm. And I usually say about the team just to emphasize that that has to be more voices there than this mm-hmm. one inner critic to really balance it out because we naturally are more prone to the negative thoughts, to, ne- to notice the negative stuff around ourselves because the survival mechanism. But the antidote to that should be this stronger team. And when, when you say team, that's the thing. What, with the, what you're suggesting here to talk to yourself as uh, your best friend, you can suggest or have a couple of your friends living in your head <laughs> because we, we, we have different relationships with, with different people, different backgrounds of theirs affect the dynamic between us. And you would probably call different friends in different situations. And that's the thing. Have that in our friends team to share and, and pick like, okay, whom do I want to quote unquote call tonight and talk about what I feel or what happened to me today? Okay, I'll pick John. Mm-hmm. And then you talk in your head or out loud to yourself, like if you would be talking to John. So that that can help as well lighten it up. It doesn't have to be very stiff that the yeah. word that comes to my mind mm-hmm. with these conversations. You can pick different people. And sometimes it's not even friends, but people who I for a while had mentors or people like role models in in my space that uh, I appreciated. And uh, I would think about that, like, okay, what would Mia say in this conversation? Because I know how loving and caring she is when when she talks to her clients or to her friends. And can I apply that to me? Or like, what would, how would Mia react to this? And also if someone came to me whom I deeply care about, how would I react if they share this? So it really yeah. like you can you can switch. It doesn't have to be super defined in some way. Uh, and creativity is a good way of uh, approaching it. But to 
be able to touch the creativity, we probably need to to practice it in the before we reach the rock bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, um, what would you suggest? Um, how how to start for people? Maybe some phrases, maybe some situation. Uh, is it journaling? Is it sitting in front of a mirror? Uh, like, what what kind of prompts and actionable steps can we give to our listeners to wrap up to make it easier to take the first step? Yeah, I think of if you can think of your life or what you want to do in two areas, like having clarity and care. I think of and in in terms of like thinking about yourself and before clarity you know, buckets together, everything like, what do you want? What do you, what do you want for your life? What are you working towards? What are your goals? What are your values? What are you doing every day to create that life that you want? You don't have to decide today what to, what your morning routine is going to be forever. You know, you're going to pick something that is getting you closer to the person you want to be, the goals you want and something you enjoy. So you start to align your day, your life, your morning, your, your week, everything in one direction. I think a lot of times we're like, I don't know what I want to do. I have success here, but nah, I just, it's like, well, let's take a, a minute and focus and figure out what we want and then we'll get going. And then that might change as we go. That's, that's what happens a lot is once you get on the path, you're like, okay, actually, I don't really want this goal as much, but it's close to that. So I just shift direction a bit and we can keep going. So that's what I think of with clarity, really work to get clear on what you want for your life and how to put a plan in place. And, and clarity comes a lot of ways. I What has been incredibly impactful for me is meditation. I started meditating around the same time that I heard that. So about two years, and I just can't imagine life without it. Now, I used to think it was like for monks and yogis and well, I don't know, weird people. It, it doesn't. And now it's I just, mumbo it's so, jumbo folks. <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible. And, and if nothing else, it helps me focus, eliminate noise and all the chatter going on you know, up top and ultimately gives me more control over the inner critic when it comes up and what I want to choose to listen to. The second piece is care. And I think of that as like more shorter term things. So that can also include writing and meditation and working out and how you eat, but little things that excite you and make you feel good throughout the day, you know, things that are contributing to your long-term vision. So they're still aligned with the clarity and, and what you want for yourself long-term, but it also includes, you know, having love and compassion for yourself and talking to yourself like your best friend when, you know, you may be struggling a little bit. Maybe you need a break. Maybe you need to push through. Maybe you need to work hard. Like I know if I procrastinate too much or don't work on something, like I start to get antsy and I, I don't feel good. So I know sometimes I need to push through and really work hard. And other times I need to take a break. So I think of those two things. And then, you know, I would say if you're going to do anything to start absolutely one thing is just write with no prompt. Just see what comes out on paper. You can write about how your day's going, what you're feeling, what you're interested in, how you wish you didn't, you know, how you wish things were different, et cetera. But you'd be amazed at what comes out if you just allow your mind the freedom to, you know, articulate what it's thinking and get pen to paper. And from my own experience, um, I, I've been journaling for close to 10 years now uh, on a consistent basis. And one of the things that helped me get deeper in my journaling practice is to set a goal for myself. Okay, I have to write uh, three pages. And it was actually not myself coming up for that, but it was one of the coaches with whom I worked. She was like, mm. okay, daily three pages. And I was like, ah, my, my notebook is bigger than everyone else in the group. <laughs> Can I do two pages? But that's the thing. when you When you have to fill those three pages, you actually force yourself to go deeper. You, uh, you ask yourself that extra question and you write about that. And that, that really has changed a lot in my general practice. So, uh, maybe set your, the, a goal for yourself, dear genius leader and, and try to write 
Uh, and in the beginning, it could be three pages of like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to write here. This is a Set stupid the timer thing. timer for 10 minutes. Yeah, that could also be. Don't pick up yeah. the pen. Just keep going. Thank you so much, Tim. It was very valuable. And thanks for sharing your journey and for everything you do in the community and with your clients. Uh, we, we, need, we need this uh, help in the world to, yeah. to become a better place. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. And to you, DJ's leader, uh, talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.